Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, and welcome back to all that were in Dublin as well, including Tim O'Malley and myself. We'll be joined by John Bryce in a bit. It is Monday, August 28th, and Notre Dame comes out smoking. 42-3 to victory over Navy, about as good as you could expect. I know some of the people on irishillustrated.com expected all 117 snaps to go Notre Dame's way. That didn't happen, but boy, about ninety, about ninety-seven percent of them did. Uh, both sides of the football, I guess. Tim, who, who is now Tim, you're now handling the uh, our uh, our grades post game, and um, I guess the only one that wasn't an A was uh, was special teams because of the missed field goal. But man, Notre Dame did a great job on both sides of the football. Yeah, it's impressive when everybody asks, you know, does I don't think we include these questions, so I'm going to jump right on them. What changes from watching that? You know, did it, does, does anything happen in week one to change your mind when the opponent's Navy? Yeah, the operation was fantastic by the coaching staff. That changes my mind a little bit. I, I had faith in the coaching staff, it, but it, it was, was absolutely tremendous. beautiful. It was tremendous. It was tremendous preparation. I put something in Monday Musings, the best openers. Uh, look. They beat Texas 38 to three under the lights. That's Texas. This is Navy. This was probably the cleaner game though. I'm sure this was the cleaner game. There's, there's better openers when you play better teams, but we expected very good. I would have think people would have been disappointed if it was just good, but it was great. I did not expect great. I expected very good. And this was great. Uh, And like, and and when you watch the, when you watch the TV version of it, which I had an opportunity to do last night in a delirious state of mind, flying back from Dublin, but, uh, I mean, when you watch some of the interactions that are going on between coaches, obviously Gadouli is talking to Jared Parker. We see an instance where Freeman is calmly talking to Biagi, and everything, everything just seems to be in order. Um, and you know, and then so, and then also you add to the fact that the players just came out so aggressively. You have two new starting guards; they attack it. The offensive line just uh, uh, attacked right from the outset. You know the whole notion of when in doubt, go hit somebody. That's the way they played. And and Marcus Freeman said today during our thirty minute press conference with him, with us that uh, you know there was some maybe some assignment things with with Rocco Spindler and and Pat Coogan. But I, I thought they were both good. I thought Coogan was especially good. It was it was just about you know we said after the game there are no perfect games, but it it was. For it to be the first game of the year, and I guess you could maybe you look at Brian Newberry with his first game as a head coach, maybe that played into it as well. But their name was great, man. They were ready, and the coaching staff did an outstanding job. This is something for Thursday, but very quickly, I think you will see not as great of a team Saturday because of the nature of coming back from Ireland, I, but it's, that's fine. You're playing Tennessee State. I would uh, imagine that that is very li- is likely to happen. And the guards are guys I would figure are going to have some communication issues now coming back and trying to reacclimate to everything. Yeah. But it, look, we're 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 not going to know enough about the guards of the whole team still uh, till after. Oh, well, I was usually say midnight till three uh, thirty in Raleigh after NC State. That's that's when the real thing goes down. But can't be a better opening. Can't be a better opener for Sam Hartman either. That's uh, I I will I think this is important to note though. If Sam Hartman was merely pretty good, then I would have a problem 
with what what we saw. Yeah. I think there would be an issue because he would say, well, you know, Sam Hartman's better than that. So is it the wide receivers and the lack of communication, the lack of continuity? Yeah. It was a pretty good job. I mean, other than other than Merriweather not catching a ball, they did great. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard this. I'm sorry, Jack. I don't know if you heard this. Deion Colsey had seven snaps. That's the most efficient seven snaps in the history of Notre Dame football for a wide receiver. That is a tremendous job by him for a guy that he did not have a good camp. People are saying, can we put this narrative to bed? It is not a narrative. The coaches did not think he had a good camp. Just because a guy plays poorly doesn't mean he didn't practice well. And just because a guy didn't, you know, vice versa. He had seven snaps. He caught three passes. One went for a touchdown. He, he, he ran over Evan Gibbons like he wasn't even there. It was beautiful. No, he he responded to the moment. It doesn't change what we witness, good or bad, on a practice field. But but it changes uh, how we feel about Deion Colsey. No, there's, that's no a good doubt, there's no doubt about it. Sam Hartman targeted 10 different players. JB mentioned this afterwards. Again, he'll be joining us in a little bit. 10 different players, nine of them caught passes. I, Jared Parker is is even, even astute enough to have Steve Angeli get the football to Rico Flores so he gets his first touch in Dublin against Navy and you know, I mean, I don't know if that changes how Rico Flores feels, but you get your first touch going. He he distributed the ball all over the place, uh, except the tight ends, which which leaves open some a bit of an element of surprise that you can. I'm sure they'll throw to a, at least one tight end this weekend coming up, but it it'll certainly going into NC State. It could leave some things on the drawing board that you can pull out. I'm glad you brought that up because part of the reason they didn't throw to tight end, and if you look back. Um, I, I want to give credit on the board, so I'll go back and do this later. There was 55 snaps, right? They had 55. They had eight possessions. The last time they didn't throw to a tight end was the Navy game in 2017. The last time prior to that was a Navy game in, in 2015. You just don't get as many snaps. Now, if Michael Mayer was out there, they would have thrown to Michael Mayer, quite obviously. But the tight end not getting the ball is partially due to the situation. That's what it is. They can't all get the ball all the time. You know what's not going to happen? They're not going to target every single wide receiver some other game against Ohio state that you're, you're going to say, well, where was Rico Flores? Where was no one says, where's Matt Salerno, but they're going to say, where was Rico Flores? Where was Deion Colsey at some point this year? I wouldn't worry too much about the tight end situation at Notre Dame. Uh, and they'll be better off when Eli Raritan is there, but I expect Mitchell Evans to catch a solid 10, 12 balls this year and be involved in everything. And, and for the record, Eli Raritan was in uniform Saturday night. So that that's telling you that he was. I didn't realize that. Ugh. Yeah, he was. Uh, that's telling you that he's close. Jaden Greathouse, no, none of us are surprised. Uh, fans, uh, certainly media, because we've, we've seen him in person. We know what kind of high school player he was. He was targeted three times. Well, look at this. Jaden Thomas, four targets, four catches. Jaden Greathouse, three targets, three catches. Colsey, 3-3. Three, three. Tyree had one miss, uh, missed target on four. Estimate two for two. Jerron Payne, one of those was ill-advised uh, that 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 led to a, a five-yard loss. But now very efficient. Sam Hartman, everything that we anticipated. It'll get tougher down the road when you start stringing together some of those opponents. But he was great defensively. Um, you know, I didn't. If you when you when you get a chance, look at the film, Tim. They doubled they doubled Riley Mills a lot, and they doubled Gabe Rubio a lot. By the way, Gabe Rubio suffered a a somewhat minor knee injury. He's going to miss a couple games, uh, and they expect him back. But uh, you know, so like playmaking by the, the by the interior defensive line, there wasn't a lot of that. But they also didn't get pushed off the football when Riley Mills is drawing double teams. 
somebody else is making making a play, including Jordan Botello. Tim, that that was a strong yes. that was a strong performance by Jordan Botello, who uh, was on the field. You know, and, and I mean, most situations are run situations with Navy. That was a strong performance. All the 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 offensive players talk about his strength. You know, they ask about who's the toughest, stronger, some of the stronger guys. But Botello's name consistently comes up in those conversations. I thought he showed well Saturday. So I had him down for three third down stuffs. Um, I think Notre Dame didn't credit him for one of those. If you're looking in the stat sheet, that's a heck of an effort against Navy. Um, they only ran. You have what 12 third downs. You have three third down stuffs. It's just a really good job by Botello. This wasn't a game where I knew he would have a good game. So I think it bodes well uh, going forward. You mentioned there's not a whole lot of playmaking to be made at the interior against the way Navy plays, but when they did drop back to pass, Gabriel Rubio had the pressure. It was Gabriel Rubio's pressure that got Josh Byrne on the sack. Exactly. And, and I'd like to point out when, I mean, I love pro football focus as a tool, but when they saddle Gabriel Rubio with a missed tackle on that pressure, that's just kind of silly. You got to <laughs> understand what you're looking at, right? That That is the pressure that led to a sack, but it's a missed tackle, and he had the worst tackling grade of the defensive yeah, lineman on that one. Well, uh, guys that did not have a poor tackling grade were Notre Dame's linebackers, Jack Kaiser, Maris Leofile, J.D. Bertrand. For those that are arguing that uh, Maris Leofile didn't play well Saturday, I you know, only one, one you know, voice okay, of sense. Okay, yeah. well, then if you think that, or or really any of the linebackers, you know more than Marcus Freeman and the defensive staff because all three of them uh, received winning grades, and, and Maris Leofile was the defensive player of the game for Notre Dame. Sam Hartman was offense. Chris Tyree was on special teams, but the linebackers played extremely well. Well, I thought Leofi was the best of them. Um, and Freeman talked about his first play that our board talked about and how he missed. And he's like, yeah, the kid got Leofi. And then he wasn't getting Leofi anymore. Leofi, very physical. You know, actually, Jack Kaiser probably saved that touchdown on the first drive. If you want to look at who guys that played well, his pressure, he didn't get faked out on the kind of the wheel. Um, by Labatai when he's fake right. handoff spun. If he gets faked out, he has time to throw, and there's two guys open running into each other that probably would have been a completed pass. I thought Kaiser played really well. I didn't notice Bertrand as much in this game as you usually do. I mean, his job should be to take away the fullback. I think the the notable Bertrand play that was made was third and nine, and he ran out to the to the field side with a tackle for about a yeah. five-yard gain yeah. to make it fourth down. Um, yeah, they played well. Uh, you still didn't get to learn much about the safeties, I'm not going to ding Christian Gray and Thomas Harper for being beaten on the. You're going to get beaten by Navy in the fourth quarter on plays like that. That played when, out. When, look, when Navy snaps it 57 times and they throw it six times, yes, safeties are probably going to get yeah. beaten on a, on a or fooled on a pass play because you've spent the whole. Why are why do we have to explain these things sometimes, Tim? I, it's really astonishing to me. DJ Brown um, on our board a lot, missing space. I was actually a little. I actually kind of side not that I think he's going to be replaced because he we were told that he had the two of the three best hits in camp. We saw one of them. That is a tackle I think DJ Brown should make. He kind of had absolutely, the whiff no, flying through there. Yeah, I know he was coming full speed, but now you're at the point where you can go full speed breakdown and make that play. Uh, so I'm interested to see the safeties again in week three, but I'm, I'm going to try to watch the safeties a little bit in week two live because they're very hard to watch on film, how they react to things, and maybe maybe take note of the safety rotation which I believe will just be exceptionally heavy every game. Um, Xavier Watts, we didn't mention Xavier Watts yet. Xavier Watts had a good game tackling in space as well, and I don't think that's a surprise. So last year it was Kaiser, Leofow, and Watts. 
that led in tackles. And this year it was Leofile, Kaiser, and Watts that led in tackles. So they know what they're doing against the option. Yep. They got it designed uh, just about right. All right. That's it for segment one. We'll come back, have a bunch of questions. Segment two, burning up the boards coming up. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit gamedayyourway.com. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit Aerlingus.com to book today. Segment two, Burning Up the Boards, is brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They feature a growing collection of over 150 colleges to choose from, including, of course, Notre Dame. Homefield designs are super unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. They are all about authenticity and nostalgia. I'm telling you guys, give their side a look. It's not the typical Nordin gear you usually see. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their selection of colleges available. And guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with the discount code Irish Illustrated. It's the perfect apparel to get ready for the upcoming season, so check them out. We have a question starting from Play Like a Champ 7. What is the biggest overreaction from this weekend that you don't think will actually be an overreaction? Well, we can't include Sam Hartman as an overreaction because I think that is Sam Hartman. Anytime he plays a team uh, such as Navy Central and a lot of the other teams will face this year, I would say the running back depth. Uh, people are talking about all how they're going to play five running backs, and I think they're going to play five running backs. I like Notre Dame's running backs. Um, you can't give carries to five running backs, but they are hell-bent on using five running backs. You may have not running back number five with 21 carries, 20 carries. That's fine, but he will be used this season. I like that. I would uh, I would tend to agree. I also think that um, I, I said it going into the season, so I don't think it's a, an overreaction here, but this is an elite Notre Dame football team that has a chance to challenge and compete for all of its top goals and aspirations this year. And um, I had some folks on campus, some friends on campus text me after the game and through the weekend saying like, wow, this team is maybe even a lot better than I thought. And, and I always have 
uh, Irish green glasses on and things like that. I do think this this Notre Dame team has top end ability to it. I you know I I would like to think that <laughs> I would like to think that Audric Estime's fumble is not an overreaction. Unfortunately, it happened a bunch last year. But you know sometimes, I mean, at a certain point last year, and it was the first time that Estime was really playing. At a certain point, probably after the Stanford game. He didn't. Did he fumble again after that, Tim? Uh, after the UNLV fumble, he did not after fumble the, again. Yeah, the UNLV. Fumble. He fumbled the week after Stanford on like his third that's carry right. after the big no, fumble. That's right. That's why there was that, a problem. Yeah, that then he didn't play again. So I, you know, I'm not, I'm not picking that. I don't know what the overreaction is. I, I do think that it's going to be extremely difficult to play five running backs. Now, will five running backs get in a game over the course of you know every game or most games? Probably, but. I think Devin Ford is shows he could do stuff in pass protection and that that's very true. Darian Price is a guy that you have to preserve for a whole year with coming back from injury. And Jeremiah Love is a guy you have to get on that field and he's showing Fair it. Enough. So unless pain falls out, which I just don't think I am sticking with Dylan De- McCullough likes Jabron Payne and the solidness he brings. I he might be the fifth most talented. I don't know. I just I don't think it's going away. I think he probably is the fifth most talented but i think some of the assets that we saw showed or, or that we expected showed themselves on saturday as you mentioned tim devin ford as a pass blocker i thought pain pain showed good vision um so you know that's an asset there too i you know i don't know it's it's just going to be difficult but you've got five good ones that what, what do you call them room five is that what isn't that what marcus freeman said maybe the stable, I'm, maybe I'm the stable the five-headed yeah. monster i don't know yeah. I, I, all right, you guys, I don't want to belabor this point on the running backs. Let me ask you a question. I think Dylan McCullough loves the fact that he has 10 roles for his five running backs and that they want to use it in recruiting. Yes. And that they will use them in every single game unless they absolutely can't against Ohio State and Clemson is how I think it's going to go. And that using five against USC is part of the game plan. Yeah. And, and he point blank told me that's a great point, Tim. He point blank told me in the spring or, or earlier this year, I can't even remember. When uh, he said, look, I point to it. I don't just say it. I've got the stats to go back and back it up. And if you go back and look in the NFL, I played multiple guys in the NFL, maybe even more so than some other teams or some or what some people expected. So, um, again, it's a long season. It's an unprecedented season, I believe, in, in that Notre Dame will have half of its schedule, literally half of a 12-game schedule done before the calendar turns October. You've got to preserve these guys. And we talked about it on instant analysis today, the Deion Colsey effect. If you get seven snaps, make the most of those seven snaps. Colsey could be a bit of an overreaction, although he came on strong in the second half last year. The performance of the offensive guards could be a little bit of an overreaction once you start getting into that power five portion of the schedule. But I don't know that I have a really good answer to that. Uh, Good question. Like pay, like play, like a champ, but uh I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll have a better idea after uh, week three with uh, with NC. Exactly. I was going to say, don't say after week two. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not. Well, I guess that's week two. Next, yeah. this, that was week zero last week. We're going into week one, but game 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 three is what I mean. Whiskey Jack forty six. Great first step versus Navy. What would you like to see further developed and improved this week on offense and defense that will show that they are taking the next necessary step? I would like to see Steve Angeli get a heck of a lot more playing time, and I would like to see uh, some second-team offensive linemen get a lot more playing time. And I just think, again, I'm I'm not going to overreact or try not to belabor this point too much, 
it's a brutal schedule. It's eight straight games. Southern Cal played week zero, didn't have travel, played a San Jose State team that um, yeah, made a bowl game last year. But I think um, Navy does so many more unique things and is such a unique challenge. I would argue that Notre Dame had the, the more difficult opener for a number of reasons. Southern Cal gets an, an open date sometime in September. Might maybe the same weekend that Notre Dame has to play Ohio State. Uh, so I think that's pertinent. So next week against Tennessee State, you've got to get a bunch of younger guys in. You've got to get Steve Angeli more playing time. You've got to get some backup offensive linemen a bit more playing time uh, and just continue to prepare that competitive depth that we hear Marcus Freeman talk so much about. Yeah, and again, we don't want to use Tennessee State as a, as a barometer here, but Riley Mills has got to get off blocks, man. Have we ever said that before? Riley Mills has got to get off blocks. He had a tough. It was tougher against yeah, Navy. He, they doubled the hell out of him. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll give him that. But he's got to get off blocks. He can't settle to be blocked and 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 not move his feet. And, and we won't be able to judge that against Tennessee State. For the record, USC has uh, an off week on. September 16th. So they open with San Jose State, Nevada, Stanford. Then they have an off week. Then they go to Arizona State at Colorado, Arizona. Tim, we've talked about what's that? Six, seven. That's that's seven and oh and barely breaking a threat. Then they have a sweat. And then they have to go to Notre Dame. NC State will be undefeated. Not that it's hard in their situation. Ohio State's going to be undefeated. Uh, Duke will not probably. If Duke's undefeated. There's a real problem because they have Clemson. Louisville's going to be undefeated. USC is going to be undefeated. Um, Clemson, Clemson might be. Uh, that's it's gonna be. They have they have some chances to make statements. But to quickly go on this one, I mean, Steve Angeli, the whole second half is what I want to build on. I don't care if Tobias Merriweather catches touchdowns against Tennessee State. It would be great because he'll have confidence. And I think there's a question that was put on the board. But Steve Angeli needs to throw some balls and see what you have against Tennessee State. Because if not now, he's not doing it until. Yeah, well, but, I mean, who knows? So, look, second, I fourth mean, quarter, Central Michigan. It's not yeah, that maybe, easy. Maybe they Central, were up by a hundred yeah. yesterday, and he, or Saturday, he didn't get in. Yeah, and he would have maybe started that drive with eleven fifty four, and then it went, it went eight minutes and <laughs> like yeah. eight and a half minutes, and by then, you know, they did throw the one pass. But yeah, I, I agree. I, and Jelly's going to get an opportunity this weekend, and and they'll they'll let him throw and that'll be good for him. And, and who knows, maybe the next, maybe the next one could be NC state, but I doubt it. It's, it's more likely central Michigan. And then we'll go from there. Uh, go ahead, Tim. Uh, got a double, got, got a double question here from Maltese Irish and beast 62. 62. If not already, when will you start being concerned with estimates ball security or lack thereof? His most recent stripping was pretty straightforward punch of the ball from the defender. He could see. I was quietly concerned heading into the season. This happening within the first several drives of the season has heightened his worries. And on this, uh, John Bryce, you talked about this post game beast. 062 says, did the coaches take estimate off the field for load load management or sit him because of the fumble? Well, you yeah, know that they, <laughs> it's because yeah, of the fumble. It was, it was yeah, because of the fumble. Answer that today. Yeah. Again, um, estimate has the, the mental makeup that he'll wear it the way he's supposed to. He did Saturday in the game and, uh, I think you can't stress the value of the example that Marcus Freeman, Dylan McCullough, Jerry Parker, all those coaches are sending by sticking to their words and making sure that no one player is above the team. I will perhaps take a little bit, bit of issue with Marcus Freeman saying Monday, well, it doesn't matter who fumbles. If it's Audric Estime or Sam Hartman, nobody's above the team. If <laughs> Sam Hartman fumbles in a key series and Notre Dame's in a tight game, we're not going to see Steve Angeli the next series. Let's let, let's clarify that. So so kudos for Marcus for, for saying that 
and sticking to their proverbial guns there on Audric, that's not going to be the case with Sam Hart. Kudos. Tim, I want to jump in because of Jimmy Johnson saying, oh, no, I have different rules for everybody. If Kerbin Richards falls asleep, I cut his ass. If Emmett Smith falls asleep, I go, hey, Emmett, wake up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you know, we look, they're, they're fumbles and there are bad fumbles. That's a really bad fumble. You you should, the lane kid, Rand Lane, I, I swear to God, his name appeared 50 times in my tale of the tape because he he just seemed to be around the 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 player the ball uh, that it, that we commented about. But you should easy and again that's a free safety punching it out of your grasp. And you can see him; he's like at at Estime's two o'clock. His vision at two o'clock, so you know he's there. And then it's just a, I mean, it's a real obvious. Here I come! I'm going to punch the ball out of your hand now, and he doesn't react to any of that. So. That, that it's it's really really disappointing that type of fun fumble in particular and look you have to say it's an issue it was it, it was an issue last year and one game in it's a bad fumble this year so he's got to do better question let me look oh ahead. i'm sorry i no, apologize Tim. i just want to say let me briefly play devil's advocate and point out the fact that had estimate not had such a hell of a tough run on that play 99% of the running backs in college football would have already been down on the play. I'm not I'm not excusing it because you're right. He could have seen the defender coming. But it was such a phenomenal effort play from Audric Estime to even come out of all that traffic and out of all that mess, absorb the initial contact, and be poised for a huge gainer and to get the extra yardage. He's got to fix the fumbles, but that was not um, a lack of effort play. Fair enough. Question from Keenan1W. More glorious beard, Sam Hartman or Navy head coach Brian Newberry? They're Red different. Sox man, that's a, that's a, that was a dandy. He's got a dandy, doesn't he? I'm going the other way. Uh, Newberry's beard would be appreciated more, um, perhaps in the far reaches of the mountains, where Sam Hartman can take his to uh, Rodeo Drive and show off his beard out there. That's the uh, That's the way to go. Yeah, he's got he's got hair coming out the ear hole and face mask and he's got a lot going on there. Uh Brian Newberry's got a good he, Jack Jack can comment on it. Brian Newberry's got a got a pretty good one there. Um uh, but Sam <laughs> yeah, shaking his head by the way. So Sam, I guess John will have to comment on it. <laughs> Sam Sam Hartman wins the day though because um well because he's Sam Hartman. Question from Christian Smith. Enjoyed your coverage on the trip. Thanks as always. Do you see Great House overtaking Merriweather on the depth chart? If Tobias's woes continue and Great House continues to produce, then generally what seems to be the seems to be the issue with Tobias. And then a second question from Jack Mac 99. Any concern over Merriweather's zero catch performance and only being targeted twice? Um, I have a concern over zero catch performance because I know that ball was underthrown. That happens to receivers. It happens to Tobias a lot in camp. And what it, you know the common denominator of every time it happened? He didn't catch it. Say all I, I don't listen, I don't care. Make a play, make one play. Make one play. He has make one play. Uh, we had difficulty seeing that in, in practice settings. Now there was video out there where he, where he made some plays, but we know he can play, totally but make like, a play in the game. Where there's but, so many excuses made for people we like. If that was Matt Salerno, people would have lost their mind, except he would have caught, he would have drawn pass interference. Okay. Now here's the thing. And I talked about this in tail of the tape. 
Merriweather knows that that ball's underthrown well before it gets there. And what does he do? He keeps drifting to the back of the end zone. You need to stop or slow down and start working your way back to the ball and play through the defense, the def- defensive back. If they call offensive interference, great. I w- you would applaud if they called offensive interference because it would show a level of aggressiveness and fight for the football, but he kept drifting. And then, and did he get interfered with? That's a really hard, I mean, technically, yeah. Okay, I mean, catch it anyway. Make a, make somebody make a play. Right. <laughs> I'm not, well, so, not if somebody, he, excuse if me, he make a play. physically comes back to the ball, he can negate the aggressive move by the, by the free safety. I, I just, Make a play, make make an aggressive play, come back to the football and get it be so obvious that you committed offensive interference that there are three flags flying. Yeah, before JB chimes in, I'm not even saying make a catch. I'm saying make a play on the ball. Make it look like, not look like, look like, go get it. Go after the ball. You don't have to catch everything when somebody rams into you. I, I understand that. But that was, it was a guy running down the field that looked back and reached his hands out for a ball that was not going to be caught that way. To the uh, to the depth chart component of that question, absolutely, we can see it on the depth chart. We've already talked about it. We saw it in and throughout preseason camp in, in late July and all the way through August. They're not afraid to rotate those guys in. Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse already have taken significant first team reps over the course of August. Absolutely, they can take those significant first team reps when it gets. It's to game day on Saturday. All of those guys were game plan for. They were personnel for all seven of those wide receivers. And so, yes, they absolutely can surpass Tobias Merriweather. Um, Toby's got to make some plays and get his confidence up on game day. I do think it's too early to give up on him. Oh, um, yeah. But, but, I mean, we're, it's still time to say, you know, let's – let's. Deion Colsey made plays. Yes, exactly. No, you're exactly right. Yeah, you've, you've got to make plays. You've got to, you've got to make the moment matter. And, Tim – uh, O'Malley, what you and I have talked about multiple times, we saw Colsey get pissed off even when he lost some special teams reps. I don't want to belabor that. That's important to me. You want to see guys that get mad about something. Um, my wife will tell you I get mad about a lot. And so um, I think seeing a guy get mad, I want to, you know, if, if Tobias doesn't get that flag and I thought it was pass interference, I want to see him mad about it, that the play didn't happen, that the flag didn't happen, that it all didn't happen. So, yeah, but those guys – can pass him on the depth chart. They will pass him on the depth chart if the production uh, parallels continue. Uh, the the being targeted twice doesn't worry me. The zero catches, though. Being targeted twice, I wouldn't throw him the ball again either in the same game because he was given a gimme. Jared Parker on the fourth snap of the game gives him a gimme to catch it. And, I mean, if you watch the replay of that, he isn't close to catching it because his when your hands – when you do that with a football thrown right at you, your mind is saying, "I'm not going to catch this football." You're it, it, go ahead and look at the the replay of that, and that's not. It didn't slip through both hands. He didn't know how to put both hands together, and I suspect that that's just a lack of confidence. I am not saying give up on Tobias Merriweather, not in the least. It's just the kid has to step up, and he's got a lot of ability. Question from Terry Benedict: It was thirty-five to nothing in the third quarter. Are you surprised that the fully entrenched at number two quarterback didn't see more playing time at that point? Moving forward, at what lead would you put him in to attempt more than one pass? Should Notre Dame have had a bye after week zero? Uh, no, that's, they don't need to buy after week zero. You're playing. It's better to play Tennessee State than have a bye. Um, 
I think that I wrote down in my game story, and I had to remove it, so I'm trying to guess where I put this. I wrote down the Wake Forest graduate transfers day ended there with six drives, 42 points, and a 19 for 23 passing performance. Then I had to move it farther down in my column and say with seven drives because he came back in. Um, I was surprised that he didn't get a chance before that. I know Navy had a very long drive. The game was completely over. Um, and you can run your offense with Steve Angeli by handing it to one of your five backs with all their special duties. The thing, the, the thing is, though, that drive started in the third quarter. I realize you can pull them out. You definitely you can't usually do that. I was, I was not surprised that they kept him in, but the problem was here. It is that at 42 to nothing, Navy's drive started at 1154 and then it ended at 333. Uh, there were there were a couple third downs. There were three third downs that they converted. Or I'm sorry, two first two third downs they converted in a fourth and one. I mean, I get it. I, that, that, it's a legitimate question. I just figured they would put him in the next series, and Navy had the ball for eight and a half minutes after that. It's unfortunate. Uh, and maybe you have to – if it wasn't the first game of the year, maybe they would have, but you still want – what did Hartman do in that drive? Yeah, he basically handed it off. Yeah, good point, Keenan. They should have put they should have put uh, Angeli in at that point. Um, they will this week. Put it that way. They will this week. Yeah, we we already touched on it. That's that to me is the single biggest thing I would like to see Saturday against Tennessee State. And, and just to to uh, abut your all's points, they were up thirty five to nothing with almost thirty five minutes of game game clock left. Or excuse me, they were up thirty five to nothing with almost twenty five minutes of game clock left. That was plenty of time to get Angeli uh, a little bit more burned, but I do understand wanting to get Sam Hartman fully immersed in it for, for basically a full game with a new OC, with a new O-line, Hartman, all of that. I also think you can put in, you could bring out Hartman and say, Sam, we're going to give Angeli one series here. Stay ready in case this doesn't go great. Without Steve Angeli knowing that last sentence has been said. Yeah. No, well, you don't have to bench a quarterback to take him out. He's, right. Not like Sam Hartman's going to be concerned about something here. Just let, let's let's see what Steve can do. We're up five touchdowns. Yeah, I hadn't looked at it from that perspective. That I mean that that makes sense too. It's a good question by Terry Benedict. And um, you know, if you're gonna if you knew you're going to run the whole series, then you might as well go ahead and put Angeli in. Question from Denver Maximus. Much was made of the surprise starting guards of Coogan and Spindler. Your takeaways from their play on Saturday it was just one game, but do you still feel Shrouth? will play as well, barring an injury. I do because it's 11 games and uh, nine of them are tough. This was tough. It's tough to go against Navy, but I, I don't, I, I think when you say overreaction, Tim, you're right. Let's chill out a little bit on Coogan and Spindler manhandling people they should manhandle. So chances are Shroth will get a chance to play. Yeah, but it, I mean, it was their first start and they were aggressive. So I don't, I, I mean, they, they were, I liked them a lot. I'm just guessing one guy. Physical, so I don't think, I mean, I don't think that's a that's a overreaction, but yeah, uh, you know, Coogan. I, I really like what Coogan did. Billy Shrouth is right there. I but you know, had one or two of the either of them struggled, then you might have been thinking Shrouth. You're not thinking Shrouth going into Tennessee State, and you're probably not because of it's t- Tennessee State. You're probably not thinking about um, uh, any kind of change until last at least after NC State. 
Schroth particularly, uh, maybe Jagasaw in that mix. Like, I want to see some young offensive linemen uh, about as much as I want to see Steve Angeli get significant burn next week as well. I just think it's critical to the overall big picture of the Notre Dame season. I kind of walked all over this in uh, segment one, but DMB346 says, what, if anything, should we read into the tight ends having zero reception against Navy while the tight end is our OC? Tight end coach is our OC. I don't. I mean, I aside from it being Navy specific, do you guys think they're just they didn't need them as much? Do you think there's anything um, to this? The game plan was we want to stress one on one outside. We want to hit our receivers. I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't you don't have Michael Mayer. So there isn't anybody you're going to force feed to football. If it's anybody, anybody, it's holding stays. And he did, by the way, he did a hell of a job blocking Saturday. His first attempt wasn't very good. I made note of that. And then I kept an eye on him after that to see what he did. And he, he was really, really excellent. He was, he was actually, God, I didn't, he was a little Tommy Tremble like on a few occasions. That's wow. how aggressively he, he played. Now I'm not going to, I'm going to stop right there. And I'm not going to say that that's going to carry over into being a Tommy Tremble type guy. But in that moment, I thought he was really, really blocking well, but I don't read it. I don't read a ton into it other than, you know, Raritan is probably your other most likely pass catching tight end. Mitchell Evans, of course, is a starter, but with a healthy Raritan, stays and Raritan are your top two pass catching, you know, guys. So, and then I also think you leave you you keep the element of surprise moving forward with the tight ends. Uh, although I'm sure that they, I'm sure somebody's going to get targeted this weekend against Tennessee State. Next from Manatee, it's Navy. I get that. But if your prediction for this season changed because of that game, what position group, coaching, skill, or player development would you most cite as the reason for your new prediction? JB, go ahead. I don't think a lot really changed for me. Maybe I think um, the offensive line is better sooner than I expected. Um, Yeah, it was Navy, but it was a Navy team that um, O'Malley's got the best stats I've ever heard. Uh, So completely bottled up. This Notre Dame offense a year ago, different trigger men, obviously, but nonetheless, a lot of the same personnel up front and in some other places. Uh, so it, it doesn't change as much as it reinforces that I believe this is a top end Notre Dame team. The college football has never been more quarterback driven. Sam Hartman looked so good in his first game with a n- new team. Jared Parker, really an offensive coordinator, fully in command for the first time. I just think that it it reinforces this ceiling i believe this team has i you know i changed my prediction in august from nine and three to ten and two i'm not going to go to eleven and one with right i guess i did too strong yeah, performance did too. against navy i just like can we let's let's just analyze a football game okay it was a it was a really really strong aggressive performance in the opening game of the year that's really really good predictions about games Two and a half months from now, two months from now, I, I just let's just move forward to the next game and see if they can make progress against Tennessee State, which they probably will. And then are you ready? Then then you have to go into a difficult environment at NC State. I don't know how great. I'm not. I'm not sure if that's a really difficult environment. It's ACC on the road though, and then that's a different set of circumstances. That was a home game for. I, I realize that you had to pick up the entire operation to go to Dublin and play. But it was a it was a strong, overwhelming Notre Dame crowd, so it was home game like. So strong perform offensive line. I'm surprised at that, just like you, JB, because 
they were so collectively aggressive. And you had two young guys where we've all been in that situation when you're playing in a first game of the year or you're moving up to a different level where you're thinking about it too much and you're not aggressive. They weren't thinking about it too much and they were very aggressive. Let yeah, the great players be great. <laughs> yep. That's, that's what uh, Marcus Freeman said today, specifically about the defense uh, because of all they had to prepare for with the Naval Academy offense. So it, I mean, it'll, I'm sure it will be a light learning week for Notre Dame's defense so that they can just get after it again and put the jet lag and Dublin trip and all that behind them. These two are related uh, in a unique way. Cash Money 812 asks, why did the O-line dominate Navy this year but struggle last year? Did they not have as many guys in the box this year or was it something else? And Martin O'Malley, no relation. When was the last time the run and pass game had the potential to truly keep teams honest like we all hope we will see this year? You know why those are related? <laughs> because the guy kept them honest. <laughs> yeah, Jared... I mean, Jared Parker did a great job. He really did. Marcus Freeman was asked about that. And, well, you know, what did you tell? What did you talk about with Jared Parker? What did you tell him? And Marcus said, essentially, I told him to keep doing that. That's good. What you did in that first game, that's good. That'll work. Um, I I don't think Navy didn't take the same approach. because They couldn't couldn't take the same approach. No, you can't. You couldn't. I mean, maybe for a player, too, you, you couldn't take the same approach. Because Sam Hartman will carve you up in ways that Drew Pine was not prepared to do. And honestly, JB, I know you, we talked about this before, and you mentioned the stat. This is an easier game. Marcus Freeman knew what buttons to push. It appears that that uh, T.O. has uh, has frozen up here a little. These bit. These are the stats. Five, four, one. Yeah, we keep running into that. T.O., you're going to want to rejoin us here. But, uh, you know, in terms of last time that you have this run pass, again, let's let this evolve a little bit. We know that Notre Dame's ability to throw the football is going to far exceed, I mean, really anything you, you, well, Jack Cohn could wing it. Jack Cohn certainly had his games and his opportunities. Uh, I I don't really know how to answer that right now, and I don't want to overreact to doing this against Navy. Although I said all, hey, I said in weeks leading up to this game, that's a that's a good Navy defensive front, man. I mean, I, I they they allowed three yards per carry just about on the button last year. The entire off uh, defensive line came back intact, and Notre Dame beat the crap out of them. I mean, make no mistake, Notre Dame's offensive line hammered Navy's defensive front. Notre Dame has the potential. I'm not remotely saying it is there yet, but Notre Dame with this offense has the potential to dictate by land. Or by air, I think that's what's so significant. That's what's so different. That's why it is okay to think like the ceiling for this team can be pretty damn high. I think it's interesting because we also come back. But and now you froze up again. We are going to uh, we're going we're going to bypass this situation here moving forward. We're going to be back on Thursday, August thirty first. We'll talk a little bit more about Tennessee State. We don't have as much access to information about an FCS team like Tennessee State like we do normally. And, and it's early in the season, too, and so we don't know a lot about opponents. But we'll we'll talk about Tennessee State on Thursday. When we come back with, with our listeners, we will have spoken with Marcus Freeman. 
for is that less than I think that's less than 30 minutes on Thursday. So we won't have as much access regarding that. But uh, we'll know a lot more about Tennessee State a little bit later in the week. For Tim O'Malley and John Bryce, I am Tim Priester, and this has been Irish Illustrated Insider.